football retention too. Here's Correa. Done so well to keep it in. Welcome into a special edition of Banter FC. I'm your host, Tyler Dunn. Today, we are combining both the Premier League and the La Liga show. As you heard in the intro, we had both of the uh, intros combined together and a little edited. So you guys got both feels for both shows. So we're combining them together. We're on international break. We just were coming off a holiday here in the United States. We had Labor Day, and unfortunately, we were supposed to have a guest this week. Couldn't get the schedules all aligned. Something happened with my cell phone, so I couldn't contact that person either. So it's just me today doing uh, the La Liga and the Premier League show. We're going to start with La Liga. We're going to be quick today. We're going to go through both leagues. We're not going to be super uh, in focus, super intense. We're just going to go over each match, what I thought of each match, and then we're just going to get on with it. So it's going to be quick hits with Tyler done today. So we're going to start with La Liga, as that is what we heard last on the intro. We're going to go through the matches that we had in this match day three, which featured Barcelona thumping Huesca 8-2, Real Madrid cruising without without Cristiano Ronaldo, Real Batiste winning the Seville derby over Sevilla. So we had Getafe versus Real Valladolid. We had Villarreal losing to Girona 1-0, Ibar 1 
two to one over Sociedad. Ibar used to be a feeder club for Real Sociedad many years ago. We had Celta Viego versus Atletico Madrid. We had Rayo Vallecano supposed to host Athletic Club, but unfortunately stadium issues canceled that match, so we did not get that one. We had Real Madrid winning 4-1. to one. Kareem Benzema getting another two goals, five on the season against Leganes. Levante with 10 men getting a point against Valencia. Alaves winning 2-1 to one over Espanyol. Barcelona winning 8-2 to two over Huesca. And we had Real Batista Baticos. Is it Baticos? The Baticos. Baticos. The Baticos winning 1-0 over Sevilla. The Baticos getting a goal from their hero to win the match one to nothing. That was the last game of the match day for La Liga. And we were talking about it on prior podcasts. You heard me with Emma last week. You've heard me on the Sound of La Liga podcast. We talked about the one thing Batiste is lacking is a true number nine. And in this matchup, it proved they can have all the possession. Again, dominating possession for the third consecutive match. They're a possession-based team, but the problem is they're not having enough penetration. They're creating opportunities, but they are not, not taking their chances. They created nine chances. They had over 220 more accurate passes than Sevilla, their rivals. And the problem is, is that they don't have a true number nine, and when it comes to the end of the day, you know, you're playing Inui as kind of like a false nine. He's not he's not a nine. And you look at how they're playing, keeping good possession. They just lack that number nine, and you would have loved to seen them just go and sign someone. We talked about Silva, his first match with Sevilla on the opposite side. He did not have a good game. He wasn't. He wasn't effective. But he was a true number nine. Sevilla signed him. He gets a hat trick in the first match. That's a good signing. It proves that they got the job done. Misa gets a red card, gives them 10 men. And we look at how that game went. Did the red card affect them? Of course it did. You're in the 66th minute and you get a red card, you go down to 10 men. And Joaquin gets the winner in the 80th minute. Joaquin is a guy that's been with the club for a very, very long time, right? Doesn't start the match. And he gives a passionate speech. I retweeted it at T Footy on Sunday after the match. There was a video that kind of got released saying, Joaquin saying, you give everything you can for this game. This game means everything to me, and it means everything to those fans watching in the stands. And Joaquin comes on, and he gets his first goal of the season, 37 years old, been with the club, right? He came through the club. From 99 to 2006, he goes to Valencia, he goes to Malaga, he goes to Spain, he comes back in 2015. So he's been in this club through the thick and through the thin. And last season, he played 35 matches. He scored four goals, he had seven assists, had a great season, comes on, scores the winner, means everything. Comes through the club, leaves the club, comes back to the club, helps him get European football, scores the winner against their biggest rivals in the Seville Derby. So Joaquin, hell of a performance, great substitution. Get your tactics right, get the job done. Now we're going to jump to the big match of the weekend, the shock result for a lot of people. Celta Vigo winning 2 to nothing against Atletico Madrid. And it was a fantastic performance. Second half right from the stop. Gomez getting a great, great start. I thought Jan Oblak should have saved it. I mean, there's so many people that call him God Black and... David De Gea 
who's Spanish, if he makes concedes a goal of this same, you know, same situation, they criticize him and say he's not that good, he's overrated. Jan Oblak does, Atletico Madrid fans say, oh, no, no, he couldn't do anything about it. See, there's always that flip side of the coin. When De Gea doesn't save it, he's overrated. When Jan Oblak doesn't save it, oh, it was a hard chance, you know, it happens. One-on-one, he should be saving that, and he doesn't. And then Iago Aspes gets dropped from the Spanish squad, right? He actually was good for Spain at the World Cup, gets dropped for this upcoming squad. What does he do? He scores a spectacular header. Gomez with the cross in, Aspas with a brilliant header, makes it 2 0 thing. And then Stefan Savage, who wasn't really good in the second half, followed it up with a silly second yellow. He gets down to 10 men for the last 20 minutes. And I think it actually helped Atletico Madrid. It didn't actually hurt them. I think Savage was really poor on the day. I think, you know, Santiago Arias, you sign him from PSV. He's a hell of a right back. He's had over 40 appearances for Colombia. He's played in big matches. He's played, you know, in Copa Americas. He's played at World Cups. He's up for the task. I know Simeone likes to bring players in gently and, you know, let them bide their time and then give them the opportunity because you're playing for a very intense manager that plays a very intense style of football. It can cause issues, and you don't want to put those people in and throw them into the deep end. But, you know, Juan Fran's injured. It didn't work out with Jose Jimenez in that position. You've had Thomas play there. You have an out-and-out right back who's an attacking right back that has a good work rate. Got to give him an opportunity after the international break. But Celta gets the job done. Big victory for him. Uh, I predicted them to be in that Europa League slash Champions League discussion. I have them in that fifth position. And based on performances like this, and no European football based on what they did last season, finishing 12th in the league. They have two of the best strikers in the league. If they can keep out opposition like they did today, there's an opportunity that there's another team in the conversation for Champions League football. Valencia is in Champions League football. Yeah, Batista has European commitments. Villarreal, that's got European commitments. And this could really benefit Celta not being in Champions League or Europa League competition. And they're playing one match a week. And based on the players they have, based on the record of goal-scoring opportunities they created last season, they scored over 60 goals last season in La Liga. They conceded 60, but they also scored 60. This is a team that can create a lot of chances and they can sure up the back end and score at the front end like they did against Atletico Madrid, this team will be competing for Champions League football. We have Girona versus Villarreal. There's some trouble in paradise, Villarreal. There was a lot of expectation. Oh, this could be a Champions League contending season. We bring in Santi Gazorla. We bring Moreno in. We have a lot of positives, and it hasn't been the perfect start for him, right? Uh, good start to the season, right? You... Get a you know you get a goal from your record signing not your record signing your big money signing in Moreno but you lose two to one against Sociedad you follow it up with a good away point to Sevilla you're like okay maybe we have a turning point here we keep a clean sheet and then you follow it up at home with another defeat two defeats at home to start the season only one point from nine not very good you got to go to Leganes as well when you get back from international break on the Sunday Girona a lot of controversy. They're going to be playing a match against Barcelona, one of their home games against Barcelona in Miami. They're going to fly out 1,500 Girona fans and pay for their flights and their hotels to go attend this match in Miami. There's also uh, rumor and innuendo that the only flags that will be given out to the supporters, 40,000 supporters, are Spanish flags, 
not the Cantalan flag because there is a little controversy with the Cantalan clubs and the Spanish government and they don't want any politics, but isn't it pretty political to fly the Spanish flag but not fly the Cantalan flag? I don't know, that's just me. But they're going to be playing that match abroad in Miami in January. And the rumors are there could be a protest by the players not wanting to play that match in Miami and wanting to be played in Girona, which is inside Cantalane, which is also in that Barcelona area. But good point for them, 1-0 victory. It was great work by Stuani, gets the finish. And Girona, not a bad start to the season as well. You know, four points from the first three games. Two goals scored, four conceded. Uh, onwards and upwards, a lot to build on, and I think Girona might be one of those teams that have a top half of the table finish this season. Alaves versus Espanyol, 2-1 victory. Uh, they go down one goal, and they get two goals from you know Bastan and Sabrino in quick succession, two goals in a minute, and that was enough for Alaves to take the three points. And it's really cool, right, when we watch a lot of these clubs and we watch the football, and we have people like a Stan Collymore that says, oh, the football in La Liga is boring because there isn't many different styles. But playing a good possession-based game, good technical passing, going for it against any club. It could be Alaves versus Espanol. It could be Huesca versus Barcelona, which we're going to talk about. But the Premier League is the best because they have many styles. So you like that six teams can actually play a good possession-based, technical-based game, and then the other, you know, 14 teams hoof the ball. Uh, that isn't that doesn't make up many styles. It shows that the technical ability of these Premier League teams that can spend 100 million in the transfer window still can't play a possession-based game with technical players. But the, you know, the Rio Vallecanos and the Gironas and the Alaves and the Ibars of the world can play nice, tidy, possession-based football and play on the counterattack and play quickly with players and play on play many kind of passes and many kind of technical-based players. But to Stan Kellymore, that kind of football is very, very boring, apparently. Uh, Levante versus Valencia. Uh, they went 2-1 up. Sherry Shev scoring, carrying over that great World Cup form, scoring on his re-debut for Valencia. And I thought Levante, uh, they looked good, Coke getting a second yellow card being down to 10 men. I thought maybe Valencia could have pulled it off in the end. But I thought Valencia, uh, they were second best. I thought Levante, which a lot of people will say is the surprise package in La Liga, getting four points from the first three games, scoring six goals, which is more than uh, Celta and is more than Sevilla and Athletic Club, obviously. Athletic Club only playing two games, but more in Sociedad, more than Atletico Madrid. Uh, and more than Batiste, teams that we all thought to ourselves are better than them. But Levante, they come into the season, show good character, go down to 10 men, still get the point against Valencia, a team that we talked about as a potential Champions League contender and probably one of the favorites to get that fourth spot in La Liga and expecting them to actually have a good run in the Champions League as well. It was a good point. I thought maybe Levante could have gotten the job done towards the end. They were very, very good. I thought it was a great game. It shows that teams can have 50-50 games, and this was 45-55, which is the best kind of games, right? The better team having that 55%, but the 45% in the Levante, uh, showing that they have enough punch in their game and enough to punch up their weight class, and they created a ton of chances, 11 chances created. Uh, They hit the woodwork one time, and they created opportunities. 
They got corner kicks. Unfortunately, they just couldn't get the job done. But they did score two. They did have the lead. They went down the 10 men, and they still saw the game out and got the point against Valencia as well. Huesca versus Barcelona. Uh, we talked about it a little bit earlier. It was a thrilling game, right? It was 3-2 going into halftime, and then it was just a route in the second half. Uh, Usman Dembele, Ivan Rakitic, Lionel Messi, Suarez, and Jordi Alba all scoring in the second half. But Huesca going to halftime at camp now, 3-2 is the scoreline, showing that they are not afraid to go to Barcelona, go and play in front of those 90,000 people in Barcelona. And they gave it a hell of a chance, right? And I talked about this with Daryl Morris. He's part of the Sound of La Liga podcast. I talked about it with La Liga Gab as well of the same podcast. And I said, this is what makes this league so great. There's a lot of teams like a Middlesbrough or a Huddersfield Town that will go up against a Manchester City and they will lose 6 to nothing. But they didn't give it a good go. They just sat back and gave them the ball. But you'll see Liverpool and they will have a great performance and they'll win 4 to nothing. But the away team or the home team, whatever they uh, where they're at, they don't give a good account of themselves. Huesca went to Barcelona, and they went into halftime only tra- trailing three to two. Barcelona is the better team, head and tails the better team. Valverde playing a full strength team because when you overlook teams, that is when you drop points. That's when you end up not being good, and that's when you end up, you know, dropping three points and you get a draw when you overlook these teams. He didn't overlook this team. Fantastic performance. Eight goals in all. Eight to two. Huesca, great performance. Keep your head up high. Keep your head up high. You got four points from your first three games. Real Valladolid and Rayo Vallecano, right? Other newly promoted teams. They have a combined two points. You have double the points of them. Keep your head high. Keep your head high. Don't worry. Haters will hate. That's what they do. And let's wrap this all up. I bargaining 2-1 victory. Mentioned it. They were a feeder club one time for Real Sociedad. Great performance, 2-1. And that in itself, you're down one to nothing. You concede a silly penalty. You know, Cardano coming with the first one and then a late winner and stop its shine by Charles to make it 2-1. It was a great game. A great Friday game, right? Because when you're watching games on Friday, especially for me, East Coast, these games start at 4 o'clock and I go to work at 6, so I got to watch the first half. I DVR'd and watched the second half on my lunch break at 8 o'clock, and it was a great game. Great, entertaining game. We had three games on Friday. It was great performance. And you can't take anything away. Ibart deserved winners. Uh, Getafe versus Real Valladolid. Uh, getting my pronunciations right, so thank you, Emma. Uh 0-0 draw, not much in it. Getafe should have won that one, this game, but Real Valladolid getting the points, and they move on. And lastly, before we transition into a commercial break, and then we'll come back and talk about the Premier League, uh, Real Madrid winning 4-1, to and great performance. Gareth Bale scoring, Karim Benzema scoring twice, and Sergio Ramos scoring a penalty. Maybe give it to Benzema and let him get the hat trick, but hey, the big French striker got has five goals to his name on the season, including one and the UEFA Supercopa match. But good start to the season for the Frenchman. Kicking on where he left off post Cristiano Ronaldo. Great form, good work rate, proving to everybody that he is as good in front of goal as he's ever been. Maybe him being so selfless and giving opportunities up to Cristiano Ronaldo shows how great he really is. I think he is 
very unappreciative by some Real Madrid fans, parentheses, quotations, however you want to look at it. Fantastic performance from him. Gareth Bale scoring yet again, keeping him healthy. Benzema scoring in front of goal. Defensively, they look a lot better than they have been in recent years, conceding a lot of goals, finishing third last season, but winning the Champions League. Very good start to the season. I think on that defensive end, I think it's more important. Two goals conceded, plus eight goal differential. Barcelona and Real Madrid starting the season so well. The only two teams to win all three of their their matches as well. Lupatugi, uh, very good. And the passing, right? We talk about the passing, the movement, and just how they were so good. 77% possession. They passed the ball accurately 799 times. They had a 91 pass accuracy. And the Benzema goal was so brilliant. It was interchanging on the left. They somehow rotated it to the right. Benzema hits it low and into the corner. And it was a total performance. It was an excellent performance. Leganes had no chance. No chance. But a great performance by Real Madrid. A great performance by Karim Benzema. A great performance by the boss as well. This Real Madrid team and the way they are playing their football is so much better than the football that was played in any of the Cristiano Ronaldo years. Don't get me wrong. The goal scoring and the flair and the counterattacking that Ronaldo brings and his prowess is incredible. But I'm talking about just watching them play because there isn't the one guy we got to get the ball to. He's got to take a shot. He's got to do this. He's got to do that. It's Cristiano Ronaldo. It makes the football very, very pretty. It makes it brilliant. And I think even Real, even Barcelona fans will admit when Pep Guardiola was in charge, you had to play the Pep Guardiola way. Since Pep is left, they don't play that ticky-tacky, that beautiful football. And you could say, well, Xavi and Iniesta is retired now, so you can't play that way. But you can play a specific style that's really great to watch, that's really good possession pace, good passing, good tacker, and move it into space and score beautiful goals. And this Real Madrid team is playing that way, and it's absolutely brilliant to watch. And now we're going to take a little bit of a break, and then on the flip side... Of our break, we're going to be talking the Premier League. As we pause to take a break here at the Banter FC podcast, I want to say a special thank you to all the listeners week in and week out for listening to the podcast. Make sure you like, rate, and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts and wherever you listen to the podcast at. Give us a five-star rating, and if you love the podcast, recommend it to a friend so they can recommend it to a friend. Download undownload and re-download subscribe and unsubscribe and resubscribe again we appreciate all the listens and all the interaction we get with you guys make sure you guys find me on twitter as well t.unfooty d-u-n-n-e make sure you check me out at we are the Bubsby babes where i do a youtube show talking about manchester united specifically as well and now let's get back to banter fc Welcome back into Banter FC. I am Tyler Dunn. We're going to transition onto the Premier League. We're going to go through each of the results quickly and then come back to each one and give my personal opinion. Uh, we have Liverpool winning 2-1 away to Leicester City. We have a draw between Brighton Hove Albion and Fulham. Chelsea Cruz 2-0 over Bournemouth. Crystal Palace and Benteke missing chances as Southampton somehow win 2-1. We have a brilliant draw between Everton and Huddersfield Town. West Ham's dumpster fire continues as they lose 1-0 over Wolverhampton Wanderers. City have a little bit of a trippy 
uh, situation at the Etihad, but get away with a win 2-1. to one. Cardiff City gave Arsenal a scare, but Arsenal moved on and won 3-2. Manchester United and Lukaku win 2 to nothing, And lastly, Watford winning 2-1 to one over Spurs as Spurs go full-on Spursy. After winning at Old Trafford 3 to nothing, they followed up with a defeat to Watford. We're going to start with Watford versus Spurs. Two weeks in a row, I thought Spurs were the uh, weaker team. They weren't the better team. Uh, against United, they were just very clinical and poor defending, and United just didn't show up for that game in the second half, and it was a great second-half performance, but I didn't think Spurs were great. I didn't think they deserved to win 3 to nothing. I thought maybe they were deserved winners based on the chances they took compared to United, who created opportunities but couldn't find the back of the net. But I didn't think they were the better team. They go to Victory Edge Road, and they lose 2-1, to one, and I thought Watford were the better team. They go up early Spurs, and Watford just battled back, two set pieces, two headers, and they got the job done. I thought Toby Alderweireld, I think he had a poor performance. I think he could have been better. You know, maybe it's the new baby that was about to be on the way. Maybe the move to United that didn't come through. Maybe that was a reason why. He hasn't started the season well. Maybe a long season with Spurs and a World Cup that went into a semifinal and third place game. Maybe that's lingering on him. Maybe it's that post-World Cup having such a high and then following it up with going back to Spurs and knowing you're not going to win anything and compete for anything this season because they signed nobody. But I thought Watford were very good. They are the surprise package of the season. They've won all their matches so far, four games in, four victories. They have Manchester United coming to them after the international break, and that will be a very interesting game. You have Watford that has taken maximum points from four games. You have United that have won two and lost two. They need to win this game. Watford can sit back and play the counterattack. They got 12 points. 12 points. European football should be on their mind. When you start the season this well, I know this is a small sample size, but you get 12 points. You're doing very well, but... Fantastic performance by Watford. I thought Spurs were poor, and I think Spurs are going to struggle for Champions League football this season because they didn't bring any reinforcements, and I think teams will figure them out. Even though United were poor, I think they followed it up with another bad performance, and they deserve to lose against Watford. Let's transition on to Cardiff versus Arsenal. We're going to keep United to the very end because I'm going to talk about my topics for the uh, we are the Bubs Be Babe uh, podcast that I'll be recording on Sunday, and you guys can check that out on YouTube as well. We're going to keep United till the end, and I'm going to release some topics that we're going to be going over and previewing the next match against Watford. So Cardiff, and and <laughs> I still can't believe it, right? So I, I got to get my chuckle in because it just shocks me that Neil Warnock is in the Premier League, right? And what doesn't shock me is that Cardiff go into their fourth game. They have not scored in the first three games, and they managed to score two against Arsenal. It's very Arsenal that a team that hasn't scored all season scores two against them, and it was 2-2. And, you know, we have uh, Aubameyang and Lacazette. They link up, and they get back into the game, right? And they get, take the lead 2-1, to one, and then Danny Ward scores and makes it 2-2, and Lacazette scores the eventual winner, this might be a gut feeling, but when I look at this Arsenal team, I see them finishing 7th in the Premier League. I don't see them finishing 6th. I think they're poor. Defensively, they're bad. Even though you have Aubameyang and Lacazette, you have two great strikers. You have Aubameyang that will miss a lot of chances. Lacazette that will eventually be dropped. There's no way both of them are going to be starting, right? And Aubameyang is not a left winger. 
He struggles on the left, and we've seen that in the prior years with Borussia Dortmund. And I'm just going to see, I just see this team struggling. When a team that hasn't scored for their first three games eventually goes on to score two against you, there's some question marks that need to be looked at. Even though it's at the Millennium Stadium, it's a big game, yada, 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 smaller team gets up for those games. You still conceded two goals to a Neil Warnock team that scored zero goals in their first three matches, right? And do we want to know who Cardiff played in their first three matches? Let me list them off for you, right? They played Bournemouth. They played Newcastle, and they played Huddersfield Town. Those three teams should have conceded goals to Cardiff. But wait, folks. They wait until they play Arsenal to score. That's them in a nutshell. And I'm not going to count the English Football League Cup. That doesn't count. They did score in that game, but they lost 3-1 to to Norwich City because they don't care about the EFL Cup because... Being in the Premier League and getting that money from the television deals is more important than winning a trophy for Cardiff. That's a fact. That's an absolute fact. But defensively, I think Arsenal are going to struggle, and I think they're going to finish seventh in the Premier League. Uh, Liverpool will get the job done against Leicester City. Uh, everybody's going to be talking about Allison and his little uh, trying to be too clever on the ball, and he loses out and it gets finished by Gazelle. And he makes it, you know, he made it 2-1, to one, but Liverpool saw off the danger. I think they should have won this game. Saudi Almane was very good. Roberto Firmino getting on the score sheet as well. But not a good second half, and I think that's going to be something that they need to figure out going forward. I know they've won their first four games. Leicester gave them a good test. But the games will get tougher for Liverpool as the season kicks on. And they got the job done, right? They beat the teams that are in front of them. They played. You play West Ham. You play... Crystal Palace, you play Brighton, you play Leicester. They should be getting nine points from those first three games and a good performance against Leicester City to get the four out of four. You could say the same thing about United. Maybe they should have gotten 12 out of 12, but they didn't. They got six out of 12. Funky start to the season when all your best players go to the World Cup and they get past the quarterfinal, make it to semifinals, and eventually make it to finals. Liverpool's best players got bounced in the group stage. Sadio Mane. Roberto Firmino didn't even play. Mo Salah. It happens. They should start the season well. Their players were back. They got full preseasons. They should. But it's going to be tough for them. You come right back out of the international break. You have Spurs away. You have PSG. Then you follow it up with Southampton. A League Cup game against Chelsea. Follow it up with another game against Chelsea. And then Napoli. Then City. You have... Games against Spurs, Chelsea twice, and Liverpool playing City. That's four games, four games, three in the Premier League, that are against teams that will be fighting for Champions League football. Two teams that will be fighting with them for the for the title. Liverpool are going to drop points. It's just a fact and a reality. Don't get too on the bandwagon saying, oh, it's our year. You, you haven't played City. You haven't played United. You haven't played Spurs. You haven't played Chelsea. Calm your expectations because when they eventually get broken and you're crying on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and going into your group chats on Reddit, I told you here on Banter FC, you shouldn't get your hopes up. Because when you do, eventually, like Liverpool have done in the Premier League era, they will break your hearts. Uh, Brighton versus Fulham is a really good match, 2-2. Very entertaining game. Chelsea winning 2 to nothing against Bournemouth. Uh, this Chelsea team, uh, 
it's very interesting, right? It's going to be very fun to watch them. I think they're going to be a very good team, but I do see the eventual fatigue setting in. But the Pedro and Willian, those two are going to be, you know, rotating in and out of the team. Uh, those two, if they contribute at a very high level, if those two can combine for 20 Premier League goals and scoring and assisting combined, I think Chelsea are going to have a really good chance at uh, winning the Premier League this season. But I do see an eventual, eventual fatigue that will set in it's taking them long to break teams down but they eventually do Pedro great goal from him and Aiden Hazard getting on the score sheet and scoring for them and Marcos Alonso having such a sensational season so far at the left wing back position it's gonna be fun to watch Chelsea I think they're gonna be the second best team in the Premier League wouldn't be shocked to see them finish third but I do see them in the start of the season I think from August maybe until after that international after uh, not international break Christmas break we're going to see it starting seeing that eventual fatigue and setting in like we saw at Napoli for all those seasons. It just happens in that February and March area. And I think with no winter break, I think it's going to set in even quicker. Maybe the early start of February and March, they're just going to hit that lull, which we saw Chelsea kind of do last season as well. Uh, Southampton, uh, Crystal Palace and Benteke, he's two yards out. He misses. Hoiberg goes down and finishes off a great counterattack. But they had so many chances. I thought Southampton were going to eventually draw this game. I thought Palace deserved a point. But when you don't take your chances, when you're three yards out, Benteke, I don't know what to do for you. Is it a mental thing? Can you not score no more? I don't know what's wrong with him. Unmarked, three yards out, hits it right into McCarthy. I don't know. Something's wrong with him. Uh, Everton, 1-1 against Huddersfield Town. It, it was a deserved draw. You know, Sigerson came really close to knock tap one in at the back post, but I didn't see Everton. I didn't think they were good enough to get a, a three points. I thought Huddersfield Town scoring early on set pieces. Everton conceding another goal on set pieces. Zonal marking isn't great. Unless you have guys that are willing to take the responsibility saying, I'm going to attack this area. When you don't attack the areas on zonal marking, you're going to concede a lot of goals, and Everton have conceded a bit this season. West Ham have been poor. They've continued the trend. Wolves getting the point, getting the three points, winning uh, one to nothing, and a good start for the newly promoted team. Uh, Manchester City winning 2-1. to one. DeAndre Yedlin, the U.S. international. You wouldn't have known he was from the United States if he listened to the game. Sarcasm alert. Uh, great goal from him, Salomon Rondon. Scoring in the midweek and then following it up with an assist. Great hold-up play, but Kyle Walker, an absolute brilliant goal from him. Both full-back scoring. Raheem Sterling, what a great finish from him getting it on his right foot. But poor defensive work by by LaSalle's and Newcastle in that first 10 minutes. They were all over the place, giving the ball away in midfield. And this Raheem Sterling working it on his right foot, brilliant finish. It kind of mind, reminded me of Ian Robin a little bit with how he just moved it onto his right foot. Obviously, Robin always getting onto his left, but just getting that space, opening it up, putting it into the corner. Great goal by Raheem Sterling. Keep it moving on. And let's see. And let's wrap it up with Manchester United versus Burnley. I thought uh, Marcus Rashford, I didn't think it was a red card on Phil Barsley. I think it was a kick out by Barsley. If you're going to give a yellow card to Barsley, you shouldn't give a yellow, a red card to Marcus Rashford. I've seen it week in and week out. I've seen people get head-to-head with them, and it's just yellow cards. I didn't think Marcus Rashford was anything malicious. I didn't think it was super aggressive. I don't think it was violent contact. But shit happens. And he'll miss his next three Premier League and League Cup matches. But it's unfortunate. But we'll probably see him figure in in that first Champions League game for Manchester United. 
when we come back from the international break. As I mentioned, you have Watford, you have Watford, Wolves, and Derby. Those are the three matches he will miss. He'll be back for the West Ham game away at London Stadium. He'll probably feature in that Young Boys game away from home in some capacity because he's missing out on those three games. So I didn't think it was the right card, but it is what it is. John Moss wanted to get a headline grabber. He wanted to be the figure, and he wanted to be the star of the show. But it was a good performance by United. Two goals for Romelu Lukaku. Probably should have had five. Rude Van Nistelrooy probably would have had five. Berbatov would have had five. Chicharito probably would have had five. Rooney would have had five. But the thing about Lukaku is that he proves that he's so clinical when it just comes to him, right? That header that kind of deflects, and he gets on the end of it, heads it in. Uh, You have the... Shot pops up, he runs onto it with his right foot on the volley, finishes up, makes it 2 to nothing. When he's got to think about it, when he's right in front of goal, Joe Hart got the better of him. Maybe was it a penalty? Yeah. Should he have taken the penalty that Pogba missed? Maybe. Does Pogba make that? Does Marcus Rashford get sent off? Probably. But things happen for a reason, and I thought it was a good performance by Manchester United, and I thought it was a good performance by the whole team. They had that little of aggression. They were very direct, they were quick, they were fast, they were compact. De Gea was really good, he made a couple of saves late on, get the first clean sheet of the season, keep it moving, and to wrap up the podcast, wrap up banter, I've seen him in a preview, what I'm going to talk about on the We Are The Bubsby Babes podcast. We're going to talk about the Paul Pogba comments that just came out today, and his press conference, we're recording this on Thursday, this is being uploaded on Thursday, you might be hearing this on Friday. Uh, we're going to talk about Pogba's comments, we're going to talk about... Uh, Jose Mourinho versus Ed Woodward, the whole situation that's going on, the plane, the silly banner. Uh, We're going to preview the Watford matchup, what I expect from that. And we're going to talk about my piece that I'm writing comparing the 2010-2011 strike force to the post-Sir Alex Ferguson strike partnerships under David Moyes, under Louis Van Halen, including the first three years of Jose Mourinho. Not first three years, first two years. Um, Why? Having only one or two senior strikers in the team is one of the reasons why United haven't contended for a title since Sir Alex Ferguson has retired. And once again, guys, thank you for listening to Banter FC. I'm your host, Tyler Dunn. Make sure you guys like, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts and wherever you're listening to your podcast at. Follow me on Twitter at Footy, D-U-N-N-E, and I will talk to you guys next week. Kane has stolen it at the death! That's what he's there for! A pile of English joy! But as soon as it came to Mohamed Salah, he just slots it in the top corner. Top 90 for Mohamed Salah. Pick that out of the net. Wonderful ball retention too. Oh, well, Cockerham did his best to foul him. Still has art. Can he round this up here? Really wonderful. The brilliance of the Belgium. Now there's some more movement going the other way. In Manchester City Blue this time. Leroy Sané with two to hit in the middle. Jesus and Sterling. Silver and De Bruyne joining in as well. It is De Bruyne. It's two. It's clinical. From defence into attack in the blink of an eye. And a top corner finish of top quality from Kevin De Bruyne. Manchester City to emerge for the second half. Alexis. Pogba! Would you believe it? Two goals in two minutes from Paul Pogba and Manchester United and we're level at the Etihad.